I'll just interject that yoga is for people that aren't flexible. It is for people that are and aren't flexible. Like wherever you are, yeah. you can explore it. By the way, you don't have to understand yoga fully. It's something that you can read about and explore for a really long I mean, time. People express a lot of stuff after a yoga class. There's something about moving and breathing, expanding your torso, twisting, that it kind of brings up emotion sometimes. There's a release. I've heard a lot of people have really good experiences that were like in recovery, that were working through stuff when they had more substance use disorder or actively using substances and now have switched all the emotions that come after that. So people tend to mention that this is helpful in those settings. Welcome to the Collaborative Resource Hub by Wellness Provisions. We're bridging the gap between mental health, wellness, and rock and roll. I'm Amy McBride, owner of Wellness Provisions, the most badass wellness business. Hey, are you feeling a little stuck in life? I offer wellness coaching sessions. Book a session with me if you're seeking to get healthy and ahead. Sessions are available worldwide. And check this out. Wellness Provisions supplies rock and rollers with high quality supplements. We've simplified your shopping experience and given you a trustworthy place to go where you can essentially shop blindfolded. And did you know? All our Collaborative Resource Hub interviews air on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Subscribe to stay in the loop. Go immerse yourself in the full Collaborative Resource Hub experience over on our website. You'll have access to helpful resources that will inspire and educate you. So let's inspire each other. If that guy did it, so can you. Last but not least, my legal disclaimer, nothing in this interview or the Collaborative Resource Hub substitutes medical advice. Please connect with your GP if you need medical guidance. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, Amy. Good. You play in a band and you also do yoga. So this is kind of going to explore both of those, but we'll primarily focus on the yoga stuff. But your band is she, he, he, and you're a trauma-informed yoga teacher. So if someone hasn't heard your band before, how would you describe you guys? Yeah, we're um, a punk band. There's three members, two girls and a guy. We sound... I mean, I feel like we sound pretty unique. We all sing. So there's a lot of harmonies and gang vocals and shouting. And there's some prettiness in there too. Um, But behind it all is pretty driving, thumpy and chanty and fun. So yeah, you can um, find us like where you find music. Um, We're out there. (laughs) go, Go to band camp. Yeah. Cool. Um, And so I guess for the yoga, what does trauma sensitive yoga look like versus other forms of yoga, other types of yoga? So it looks really similar. So maybe if you walked into the studio that I work at, I work at various studios, but you might think this is a yoga class. I see people making shapes and breathing and maybe you don't notice anything different about it. And so it's subtle and a little bit of nuancy, but I would like to say that it's, it's, there's definitely a lot of thought put into the way classes are put together. Okay. So the, the big kind of bullet points of making your class trauma-informed is that there's a lot of options. So I'm not gonna say like, we're gonna make this shape and we're gonna make it perfectly. 
I'm going to say, we're going to make this shape. We're going to be curious about breathing here. If this shape doesn't feel good, we could make this shape. And like at the top of the list is to just have fun with it and, and kind of sense into your body. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. What got you down this path, I guess, of doing yoga and connecting with people in this way? I mean, I got into yoga because it, well, it's always kind of been there, first of all. Um, My grandmother did yoga. I had a book in high school that I would play around with, but I didn't quite understand it. I'm still on a journey of understanding it, by the way. You don't have to understand yoga fully. It's something that you can really just read about and explore for a really long time. But I got into it because I I wasn't really feeling very good in my body. So I was at a point in my late 20s, mid to late 20s, where just like having fun, you know, I listened to punk rock and my friends all, we all just like drank a bunch and, you know, (laughs) sometimes like, uh, yeah, I just didn't, didn't really feel that good. And I started doing yoga and it made me feel good. Um, I didn't understand why so I just kind of started continuing on with that. Okay. And after a lot of exploration, I, I started to explore like abstaining from certain activities, not just like drugs and alcohol, but like whether or not to go out like social interaction and just some things started to reveal themselves. And it had a lot to do with my yoga practice, deciding whether to wake up early in the morning and do yoga versus sleeping in or kind of like shifting, like realizing what your priorities were with what felt better and balanced. Yeah. So for me, there was like a transformation that was really wonderful and enjoyable. And then I became a yoga teacher and I didn't set out to think I was going to help a lot of people on a similar journey. But then I started hearing people's feedback and they had very similar moments. So I hear a lot of students say like, this practice has really helped me become this person where or feel into my body when I didn't think I, I noticed, um, how do you say that? Like, there's a lot of people that are a little bit not associated with what's happening inside, right? And yoga and meditation helps with that. And so all of a sudden, there's these little aha moments for people, and then they feel that and then they, they, express it to the teacher often. So, um, yeah, a lot of people are so disconnected from, I mean, cause even from me, like working in like the aisles and like health food stores, people are so disconnected from their body and like what they feel, or they think like, for example, like I'm bloated all the time. Oh, but that's normal. It's like, no, that's not normal. So mm-hmm. kind of developing that awareness. Yeah. There's so many different areas to, to talk about when it comes to to not being aware of, of like why you're not feeling so hot. Yeah. You know, you're just like, ah, I feel like crap, (laughs) whatever. And you think it's normal and it might be normal, but maybe if you explore some other things, then you might uncover that there's a different way. There's like a different path. Yeah. So you had mentioned, cause I actually, I mean, I don't know a ton about yoga, but you had mentioned the eight limbs of yoga. So what 
is that? Because I kind of wanted to explore all of those aspects in this interview. Great. The eight limbs of yoga are basically eight principles of yoga or pillars of yoga. Um, Some people describe it as a tree with eight limbs. Um, I kind of like to think about it as like a wheel. Mm -hmm. And the spokes are the limbs or the principles. Yeah. So you can kind of go around and you don't have to start at the first limb. You can kind of start anywhere and explore. They might build, but they don't have to. You can really work them singularly as well. Okay. And so I'll just say them. Then we can kind of, uh, if you have questions, like deeper questions about them, then we can kind of go from there. So there is the yamas, which are considered like a set of principles that would be restraints to study. So there's like nonviolence and truthfulness, freedom from desire. And then there's limb two, which is niyamas, which are a set of principles that are disciplines. So like cleanliness, contentment, austerity, self-study, devotion. Then limb three is asana, which is the poses. So that's like the most familiar part of yoga. People know what downward dog looks like. You see it in advertisements, even if you're not totally sure what it is, you've seen it. Yeah. Um, And that's usually the gateway to yoga. People are like, oh, this is interesting. That makes my back feel interesting, maybe good. Or like, oh gosh, I have tight hamstrings. I could never do that. That's what I hear a lot. Um, <laughs> yep. And um, I'll, I'll just interject that yoga is for people that aren't flexible. It is for people that are and aren't flexible. Like wherever you are, yeah. you can explore it. So the poses. Um, and then four would be pranayama, which is breath breathing, breathing flexibility. I spend a lot of time focusing on breath work. And then we get into these, these last steps or these last spokes on the wheel. They're more like for meditation or to sit with ideas of meditation. So we have the pratyahara, which is detachment from the external. So This is something you might do in a yoga class and not even think of it. So say you're practicing yoga and your teacher's like, let it go, let whatever happened to you last week or before you walked in the room, let it go. Or um, you're like, I'm really focused on my breath right now. And this is the only sense that I am feeling. So that might be that action. That might be that limb where you're just kind of letting it go. You're allowing yourself to be present. It's, It's like a step in meditation, whether it's moving meditation, whether you're just breathing, whatever it is. Then there's uh, the limb six, which is dharana, which is concentration. I love this limb because you're kind of coming out of this idea of detaching and then you're bringing yourself into this idea of focusing. So what am I gonna focus on? And you can be a little bit more determined there like you can choose something candlelight gazing is a popular one so one where you just light a candle and and look at the candle and decide that I'm going to focus on this candle and you let thoughts cross your mind you're trying to be a little non-attached to things 
you could use a word, you could use a breathing exercise. So a lot of this is like interchangeable. Mm-hmm. And then we have the seventh limb of yoga, which is meditation or dhyana is the Sanskrit word. So all the words I'm using right now are in Sanskrit when you don't recognize the word. This is, it's the same as the dharana, the concentration, except we're extending it and seeing how far you can extend it. So, so the nuance there is that you're extending this concentration. And this is where you can kind of get deep into it if you have the time mm-hmm. <laughs> to explore. If you have like a time that you could practice like a half an hour or an hour or something like that and and see if you can get deep into your concentration, this would be the limb to explore. Yeah. Are there tips for that? Because I know that's what, I mean, that's like the one thing that people struggle with the most is kind of staying in that presence, I guess. Yeah. Practice. It's the tip and I, and letting go with, of the idea that you're not going to have thoughts come up. Right. So, you know, it's like a practice to clear your mind, but things come up and that's okay. I enjoy various types of meditation. I've done some, I guess you would call it like stricter forms of meditation where you must sit seated, cross-legged, spine straight up, and you're here not thinking of anything. And for me, that form feels like almost triggering because I feel like I'm not ever going to do it right. So what I tell people or what, what this describes in the eight limbs of yoga is that it's something you're exploring there's going to be mind waves is a, is a phrase they use a lot in referencing our kind of shaken up snow globe heads, right? Okay. So, <laughs> so you're trying to settle the mind waves, but they're going to like unsettle a little and then settle again. Yeah. And that's part of the practice. I mean, and that's it is like, I mean, that, I, I think that is what the practice is. You're going to have these thoughts or these obstacles or, you know, just feeling just off in your body, maybe that this, this meditation, and that's, that's the practice. That's the challenge of pushing through that. And just being, I guess, having forgiveness with yourself and your brain and your thoughts and stuff. Totally. Yeah. There's like letting go of thinking that there's an absolute right way to do it is really helpful for me. And um, that's what I try to share with people. Yeah. I guess, are there any of the, those eight limbs that you have found to be just insights, deeper insights into them on how someone can explore that? I would say just, so what I do and what I kind of teach is focusing on one limb at a time for a period of time. I just finished with the eight limbs of yoga in my class. And we went through them for eight weeks. So each week I introduced a limb and that's what our focus was. Now we were doing a class that feels the same as it is weekly, but the focus just shifts to whatever the intention is. And at the end of the sixth limb concentration, we did candlelight gazing. A period of time at the end of class to kind of 
really get a little deeper into whatever the topic is. Mm-hmm. But I suggest, you know, if it, if a week seems like a really short period of time too, then you could set your intention to explore a limb of yoga for a whole month. If you want, you could write on your refrigerator, like I'm exploring pranayama, which is the breath work this month. And yeah. so it might remind you to uh, carve out some time to explore that or read a book about it. Um, listen to a podcast about it or, yeah. you know, something Something that will, whatever sparks your interest, whatever gets you learning, if that's what you're interested in learning about. Here's an advert in less than 20 seconds. Did you know that Wellness Provisions offers one-on-one wellness sessions? Yep. So if you're seeking to get healthy and ahead in life, but feeling a little stuck, then book a session and let's get you unstuck. Now back to the interview. Are there any breathing exercises? Like, do you have some that you call on at different times or suggest to other people to use at sometimes over others? Yeah, there's breathing exercises. I use about 10 different breathing exercises, I would say. A lot of my classes are set up in a seasonal way. So there's a breath that's kind of cooling that I like to do in the summer where you purse your lips together and you breathe through the lips, like you're drinking through a straw. Okay. And, um, I, I like to do that in the summer because it's hot <laughs> and because it's fun to explore. That's also a great one for children. So if there's anybody with kids at home and you want to throw out some breathing exercises, kids, kids usually love them. They're like, okay, challenge me. What is this? Yeah. You know, there's another heated kind of breath works. It's like short breaths out through the mouth, short breaths in through the nose. And you kind of move your, your navel in rapidly. So that kind of builds a bunch of heat inside. And I like to use that in the winter time. So yeah, I build things seasonally in my own practice and then in class as well. Okay. And I, I don't remember, but isn't the right, like, when you, you know, plug up like the left nostril and then the right nostril and breathe in through the one, it kind of activates one, you know, one's more energizing, one's more calming. Mm-hmm. That is, that's called Nadi Shohan um, or alternate nostril breathing. I love that breathing exercise. I describe it as a balancing of the two hemispheres of your brain, but I do like to describe it as a way to balance and bring focus. So that's great for people that feel really scatterbrained or like you're, you're trying, okay, so maybe you're trying to study for a test or something and you just can't focus. I suggest doing that for five minutes and just, you know, then see if you can accomplish your task, whatever that task might be. So I, I love that one. And then when you breathe in, so if it's kind of hard to describe, especially if you've not seen it, but, and the podcast is you know, audio. (laughs) Some some people will watch on YouTube though. So we can still demonstrate. Yeah. Okay. So you plug one side of your nose and you breathe in Yep. and then you hold it and then you plug the other side and you breathe out. Okay. And then you repeat. Um, and so do you have to breathe in for a certain amount of time? Does that make a difference? I just suggest breathing in nice and slow and then holding it for a period of time. So maybe it's just like a second 
just so you notice that the breath is being held and then switch and let it go. It's just a lovely way to bring focus into your day. And then when you breathe out and in through both nostrils after you're finished, it feels kind of exhilarating. You know, it's like, oh, I was doing this before, but it feels different now. (laughs) Yeah. Because you deprived or like the sensation was different and you didn't get yeah that makes sense Mm -hmm. so it's all it's all centered around awareness and then being in this present moment and being in your body yes absolutely anxiety is like so I just and just people in general there's so much anxiety how can anything that you teach in your classes are there things that people can be mindful of to maybe like the breathing that they could do at home or just any kind of tips or tools that can help around anxiety I love restorative yoga poses. So maybe uh, maybe taking a class that's an hour long seems like a really a big um, commitment for people. But I suggest doing something called legs up the wall, mm-hmm. which is just literally throwing your legs up a wall. Like if you have a, a clear wall and then maybe covering yourself up with a blanket and staying there for five minutes. And then maybe doing some kind of heart opener that's reclined, like you're laying down and you could even grab a couch pillow and just kind of shove it between your shoulder blades or something. So your head's lying back. And if you have no like neck issues, it should feel great. Okay. If you do have neck stuff going on, just put another pillow back there. So you're just kind of like trying to open up. Yeah. And then the same with it's an inversion like a headstand or a handstand that's very popular in yoga, but not accessible, but just kick your legs up the wall, let the blood move in a different direction than it normally does. Just invert yourself for a little while. And that can be a 10 minute practice that you do like three days a week. And just those two poses, maybe some alternate breathing. I think that would really help a lot of people find these moments where you're in your body, where you're reducing stress, which can help reduce anxiety, making choices for yourself, like finding that autonomy is wonderful through picking a couple of yoga poses and kind of sticking to it. Okay. Cause I'm like, I'm just curious too, like, but I don't know if it's something that can be explained in this format, but just your classes, the way, the way your, your subtleties, you know, of being like the trauma sensitive class, like what does that look like? So When I talk about being trauma-informed or trauma-sensitive, I'm really creating a space for students to come and explore their body. I'm on a similar path as them, and I let them know that. So I practice yoga with them. I don't always do all the movements, but I try to demonstrate them so that it's not a mystery. There's not tons of alignment conversations in a trauma-informed class, although there could be, but I don't include that. So there's less pressure to Mm -hmm. get it right. There are lots of conversations and exercises around the theme of stress reduction. So that's another way that it really helps. And is that just, you know, like reminding people to just pay attention to their breath or, you know, the sensations in their body? Is that what that would look like then? Yes. Yeah. Reminding people to come back to the present, to soften into their shape, to be curious 
and playful. Like it doesn't have to be super serious either. We crack jokes. It's lighthearted as well. And there's freedom to ask questions. There's not a, we must be silent here moment. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to trauma in general, many people don't know they are carrying it or have it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a clinical professional, but there we do have clinical professionals in this studio because, because we have therapy on one side and then yoga on the other. And those therapists often suggest going to a trauma-informed yoga class to help with things that have been clinically defined. So I help on this side yeah. where I have a set of principles to make my yoga trauma-informed and accessible to people. We also include a format that's donation-based as well. Okay. So there's not a ton of pressure to be able to afford the offerings. You know, we ask for a small donation or you could actually take anything for free as well. Okay. If that's what you need. But it's not like, this is not a $20 class, which is huge for a lot of people, especially people that are working through stuff and they have enough challenges getting through their day without trying to find an extra $30 mm-hmm. a week to take yoga class or what have you. Yeah. A lot of little things that we do to help people get in the room or online and to help them feel heard and be in their bodies. A lot of it has to do with the language that we use, options, understanding that not everybody So, and then we don't call everything trauma-informed as well. Like, I'm not like, hey, this is my class and I'm Nicole and I teach trauma-informed yoga on Tuesdays. I teach uh, yoga for well-being is the name of the class. We also have other classes called yoga for your nervous system, yoga for stress reduction. So it's these themes of reducing stress through breath work, breathing, and maybe the exploration of the eight limbs of yoga, but the eye-catching part is like, oh, stress reduction. I might need that. Uh, maybe I, I'll give that a shot. Or well-being. I'm not feeling that right now. Maybe this will help me feel that. Cool. So it doesn't also also doesn't exclude people that don't that are like, oh, well, I don't have trauma. Right. You know, so I don't need to walk into that door. But you know, there are chances that you might actually have been carrying around some trauma that you're not aware of as well. Have you heard feedback from anyone? Maybe they've come up after, you know, maybe a few classes or one class maybe where they realized something was released that they didn't even know was in them. Yeah. I've heard things from, I mean, people express a lot of stuff after a yoga class. There's Something about moving and breathing, expanding like your torso, twisting that it kind of brings up emotion sometimes. There's a release. I myself have cried at the end of yoga class for no apparent reason, just like I don't know why I'm crying right now, but I am, or apparent reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Then maybe I just didn't like come to terms with until that moment. So, you know, I'm not saying there's like a lot of crying, but <laughs> after, <laughs> after class people, you know, and sometimes they're like, oh, I can't believe I said that out loud. Or, you know, people say things and they're like, I just needed to express like, sometimes it's just gratitude too. A lot of people throughout the years of me teaching before I kind of switched to 
to making sure that things were trauma-informed. I've heard a lot of people have really good experiences that were like in recovery, that were working through stuff from when it, that when they were had more substance use disorder or were actively using substances and now have switched yeah. to kind of deal with all the emotions that come after that. So people tend to to mention like that this is helpful in those settings too, or just work stuff. Like for a while, we had a bunch of school teachers coming. They were like, oh my gosh, this is just so helpful after a day at school, which just builds and builds and builds of stress. Unfortunately, it's just how, I mean, unless you're a magical teacher <laughs> made of magic, <laughs> the public yeah. school system yeah. is going to stress you out. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, so yeah, so it just, it gets, I mean, cause that's a thing, like your energy, it gets the energy moving. And I feel like energy is, I don't know, one of those words or terms that's thrown around a lot more than it should be probably, but the movements, the breathing, it gets the energy moving and, and things can shift and yeah, release. Yeah. There's like a mind release. Sometimes there's like whatever you're holding in your body. Um, personally, I, and this is not like a story of I'm healed from yoga, but I had a shoulder injury that just would be there all the time. I just like would ignore it. And when I started practicing yoga, it was like, oh, it's so apparent that I have this shoulder injury. And it took me kind of years of just working the poses and working the practice to like really come to terms that it was a kind of a big deal. It was yoga that helped me work through that this was a serious injury and that I should pay attention to it. I started doing like chiropractic and massage and, you know, things that helped relieve the pain, but the, the being in my body part that made me pay attention to that was being in a yoga class and having that quiet time to, to say, okay, yeah, I should look at this deeply, yeah. more deeply. Yeah. That's, that's important. Yeah. So it's not like, I'm not saying that yoga is going to heal you, I think it's a component of healing. If anything, it just kind of helps you notice parts that are broken that could be yeah. fixed or helped or managed pain-wise. Yeah, it seems it sets the stage is what it seems like. Do you have a quote that you like a lot? If you're interested in like doing yoga and exploring a book that's like recently written, Everybody Yoga by... Um, Jessamine Stanley is awesome. She is a larger bodied yogi. We went to the same yoga school, um, the Asheville Yoga Center in North Carolina. And um, she wrote, it's kind of an autobiography, but it's just a great explanation of yoga. And there's tons of new yoga books coming out. Like the old ones are great. They're heavy. Mm -hmm. um, the new ones just have a, a bit more to relate to, I guess. Okay. Um, all right. So here's my quote. Okay. My practice helps me transcend the all-consuming nonsense of daily life. Yeah. <laughs> That's like I what mean, we all need. <laughs> yeah. Little breaks. And then noticing what it's like, you know, to carry that with you throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like to ask people, um, 
if you could give someone like advice or tips on how to delay dying, or in other words, live happier and healthier, what would you say? Because delay dying is the tagline for my business. So I kind of like to throw that in there. Right. I love the de- delay dying tagline, by the way. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts here. Um, kind of, I grew up with a group of friends and some of them did just didn't make it, you know, now we're all in our forties and it's like, all right, well, some people found some really good um, mechanisms to enhance their life and make it even joyful. So um, I suggest kind I, I think habits have a lot to do with it. So kind of looking at what your habits are and even if it's writing them down or making a little chart about your habits and then just exploring them. Habits change. I think a cool thing to do is to take something away that you think is maybe not a great habit and just explore it for a short period of time. And then if you want it back, put it back. But just to explore so it's not always on autopilot. That's good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, it reminds me of like an elimination diet for food where like, if you stop doing this, how do you actually end up feeling with enough time of not partaking in whatever that habit was? And then is Mm -hmm. it really, do you really need it back? Or adding habits in like say um, you've been thinking about adding a habit in like going outside and watching the sunset or something like that. And then just see if you can do it a few times in the month, or maybe you're like, Hey, I'm going to try to do that every day this month. And then it might be that you stick with it. And that became a cool habit, or it might just be that experience for your month. Or maybe you start noticing sunsets more often when you're not keeping track of it. And maybe that brings you some joy. So if someone wanted to do yoga with you, cause you do online classes, uh, that's an option, right? Yeah. Um, you can go to revolution therapy and yoga.com. Cool. And is there anything that you want to, um, I mean, we obviously didn't talk about it much, but about your band that you want to share on, or we're working on a new album for she, if we didn't catch the name of the band, um, we're working on a new album and, um, that should be awesome. You can find our stuff on the website, say 10 records, or you can just look up she, he, he for Spotify or Bandcamp. but check out say 10 records. There's all kinds of cool stuff on that website that you can buy like skateboards and all of our records. And yeah. How do you spell it? The record? It's S-A-Y slash 10. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like Satan, but then it also sounded like Satan, like the meat alternative. And I was like, what's going on here? (laughs) I'm not sure what, I mean, (laughs) I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for making time and sharing what yoga and mindfulness and just being in tune means to you and how it can help others. I think this is a really cool cool chat that we had. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Show us the mining.